We're excited to have Pastor Kim with us. If this is your first time to hear Pastor Kim, I want to give him a little bit of an introduction. Pastor Kim Pittner has... He's been all kinds of things in his life, and he still is all kinds of things in his life. Uh, he's been a pastor. He pastored a church in Waxahachie for 20-plus years, uh, Foursquare four Church. He's been a district supervisor uh, for several different areas. He served on our leadership team in many different ways at the national level and all kinds of different places all over Foursquare. And uh, now he's been called to extend himself to the body of Christ. And God has opened up amazing doors into all kinds of different church groups and denominations and people basically that are seeking God. If you're seeking God, then you hook up with Kim Pittner and you're like, yeah, we're, we're on the same, we're on the same wavelength here. Uh, if you want to see God do something amazing and bring revival, you're on the same wavelength. Pastor Kim, if you didn't know, is also very, very special to Ashley and I as he is the one who appointed us as pastors of this church. Uh, and it was really just a kind of a, it was just a God thing. Uh, it was an amazing thing, but his, his leadership brought our church together in a way uh, that was really special uh, after our church really had a history of not having it go that way. It was really a breakthrough. And so I'm thankful for his personal leadership. He's been a friend. He's a hunter. He's a fisherman. Uh, he His wife... That's, he's he's a, he's from East Texas. He's uh, and he loves Jesus. So let's give it up for Pastor Kim. Good morning, everybody. Am I on? Yep. Hello, hello. Ah, there I am. John, thank you for that introduction. It was so good. I can't wait to hear myself this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They're going to put a PowerPoint up there for me too, and I'm going to get started. Uh, Man, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating things today. See, none of you know what I was going to talk about, but I did. And so every song, everything has just been woven together for what we're about to talk about. I enjoyed the worship service. Uh, of course, I got to be by the Wymore boys, and they were singing deep cries out, and they were going down deep, and I thought I would too. And then I got down deep, and then I cried out, Help me up, Lord, I'm I get, you know, so I called on the Lord, and He delivered me. <laughs> Amen. Several years ago, the Lord began to speak very clearly to me about posturing ourselves as the body of Christ to see the work of God among us in a fresh and new way and to discover something that was distinctly led of the Spirit. How many of you know that you can do church, you can have a way of doing it, and you just do it, and you go home, but then there are those distinct works of the Spirit that have a divine purpose behind them. You can just gather and go home, or you can get in on what God's doing. But to be able to get in on what God's doing, you've got to get postured correctly. Because God doesn't just pour water out on dry ground. He wants to pour it where people receive it and retain it so they can turn around and give a drink to someone else. We are more than a group of people that come to hear singing and speaking. We are members 
of the body of Christ that are gifted and called and empowered to make a contribution. And when every member of the church does their part, the Bible says the body increases. It releases a growth catalyst of the kingdom. And God began to talk to me about it. I know specifically the time and the place it happened. July the 20th, 2014, right over there in Odessa, Texas. Getting ready one evening to speak, and all of a sudden I had a vision. We believe in those things, right? And uh, which was good news to me, by the way, because I'm at an age that some people would say I'm old, but the Bible said old men shall dream dreams and young men shall just have visions. So from God's perspective, I'm still a little whippersnapper, amen. And I had a vision, and all of a sudden, I saw a young woman standing on top of a grassy hill. And there was a good stiff wind that was blowing. And have you ever seen tall grass, and the wind blows, it looks like waves, I mean, it literally looked like a wave going across there. And I heard the Lord say those words from the song that says, Amber waves of grain. So I knew God was talking about something pertaining to a harvest that he wanted to come in. And this young woman was dressed in a bridal gown. So I knew it was a word to the bride of Christ, to the church, about the harvest of the Lord in America. And she was just in a posture of yieldedness. She was facing the wind. Her eyes were closed. She was leaned back with her arms like this. Her hair was just whipping in the wind. And she had that fresh wind that was blowing over her. And she was just soaking it in. I mean, she was absolutely yielded and surrendered to what was blowing across her. And I literally went on the Internet and Google bride in the harvest field, and I literally found a picture that looked like what I was seeing. It looked like that. And I heard the Lord whisper to me. He said, Tell my bride, wherever you go, to step out into the harvest field and face the wind. I want to wash over her so she will hear what I want at this time. Because if we do things that are not the things that God is telling us, we won't get what God will do, can do, we'll get what we can do. Now, I love you, but I need a little bit more than what you got to offer. And believe me, you need more than I have to offer. And he said, I want my bride to experience and feel the wind of my spirit again. I want it to be a fresh wind. And then he said, my spirit is a wind that you cannot see, but it will produce visible results. I got something to say to you. Yeah. You gave a word a while ago. It's good too, wasn't it? No, it's juicy. But this is how you ended it. You said, you gave your word and said, and I don't know. And the Lord wants me to tell you, yes, you do. You do know. 
And always minister that word out of the confidence that you do know. That's not a correction. That's just saying, you had it right. You said it right. You know. You, you know. You know. You know that I know that you know. And he knows that you know. So we all know. Then that scripture came to me. By the way, there's the bride, the wind blowing, facing the sun of righteousness that's rising with healing in his wings. And the scripture says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That is just like us. We just don't always know it. Because we've been born of the Spirit. And that tells me some important things. First of all, that God does what He wishes. And He doesn't need your or my permission to do whatever He wants to. He doesn't have to do what you like. He surely is going to do what He likes. And we've got to be real cautious or we'll come and try to make church what we like rather than give Him what He likes. Because it's His church, not our church. And we get on dangerous ground when we start treating it like it belongs to us when it belongs to Him. You say, well, I don't like that. It's not about you. I love you, but it's not about you. It's about Him. And when He's delighted, His delight falls on us. i got to stop a minute. Give me some of that. That's what I want because when the pleasure of the Lord rests upon us, it's incredible. And so we have to understand that God does what He wants, the way He wants, when He wants. But the question is, Will we be postured for it when it comes? Will we be positioned and in the right place to receive what he wants to bring? The second thing that scripture tells me is we're not as good at being led by the Spirit as we think we are. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes. Is that what that says? Because that means we've got to be postured or we can miss it. Because we are not as sharp at it as we think we are. I know, you know, I know how this goes. I think I'm really good at understanding everything about God. You know, it's like me talking to a guy the other day. He said, you know, I said, you know, me and you, we've kind of got this thing down. I'm kind of worried about everybody else. And I said, man, lately I've been a little worried about you too. Because I really think I know. How many of you know we're not all that in a bag of chips? <laughs> yeah. But God's ways are above our ways as far as the heavens are. Above. That's a pretty big gap. And we've got to be postured to receive that from Him. And if we think we're so smart that we know everything God's supposed to do, we may miss what He's doing because we'll be trying to make Him conform to our ideas. And it never, the leading of the Spirit never works like that. And so I just want to say those things up front. I want us to understand that what I'm talking about is that being postured for what God wants to bring. And you got to be in the right place at the right time. You know, if you're hearing God, guess what? Faith comes by hearing. What was that word? About faith, wasn't it? And about impossible things from God happen when we have faith. But you're only going to get faith if you're postured to hear 
because faith comes by hearing God. And you got to be in a place of yieldedness. And that's the thing I know about the Lord Jesus. He was completely yielded to the Father. He wasn't about anything for himself. And he said, I only do and say the things that I hear, see the Father do and say. He was just repeating what the Father was saying. And that was powerful because he believed and he trusted. The Bible says he took on the form of the servant and he emptied himself. Though he was God, he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant so that his father would get what he wanted because it was important in his mindset that the father is pleased. And then the father goes, that's my son. Listen to what he's saying because he's got it down and he knows what he's doing. And that's why we're supposed to be conformed into his image and likeness. And because that'll tap us into everything that God has in mind. We preach all the time. I've preached it a hundred times. Pastor John has. We say these words. God has a plan for your life. I mean, we can juice it up. God has a plan for your life. I'm going to say it different. God has a plan for himself. Don't forget that one. And don't forget that your plan fits into his plan for what he wants for himself. And so I want to be in that place of absolute yieldedness to God so that the plan that I'm living out in my life blesses and pleases him. That causes his pleasure to abide upon me. Boy, don't you want the pleasure of the Lord on you? Oh, I love that. So Jesus said, pray, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I'm talking about posturing this morning. Now that's the first thing. So you got that one with me? Yes, sir. The second thing I'm supposed to tell you is that is about an encounter with God that I had, and then I'm going to go to the scripture and pull this together. I had an encounter with God in 2017. It was Easter Sunday morning, about four o'clock in the morning. It just so happened, since I'm born in April, that Easter was on my birthday that day. So God was about to give me a birthday gift that was unexpected and became dear to me. And I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and immediately I was aware that the Holy Spirit was present in the room with me. Like John in Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. (laughs) Made me feel good anyway, so... And as odd as it may sound, I knew he was present to teach me and show me something in that morning. And I suddenly became aware that I was experiencing what the tomb was like before Jesus rose from the dead. I was in the pitch black, absolutely still darkness, couldn't see anything, pitch black. Everything quiet and still. All I could see was darkness. It was the pause before the power came. It was the moment before life filled the body of Christ and he rose from dead. And I heard the Lord say those words. This is the moment of great rumbling. And I immediately understood what he meant by that because, listen, there are always rumbles. 
before the big one comes. Always happens that way. It happens in the natural and it happens in the spirit. And it lets you know that something powerful is on the way. It's like Elijah saying, seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand. He goes, I hear the abundance of rain in the air. And it wasn't raining. He was hearing it before it got there. All he saw was a little bitty cloud this big. And he said, man, there's a thunderstorm coming. West Texas style. That's exactly what you said. No, I, okay. It was the same thing as John the Baptist coming and saying, prepare the way of the Lord because the big guy's coming. There's always those rumbles. There's always the precursor. There's always those nudges of the spirit that start talking before the big thing shows up. It's always those rumblings of the Spirit. If I was to ask you who Harry Truman is, does anybody know? Not that one. You're thinking of the 35th President of the United States of America. There was another Harry Truman. His name was Harry Randall Truman. And uh, he lived at the bottom of Mount St. Helens before it exploded. Remember that, Harry? Yeah, he was the one who lived right in the direct main lava flow. And he refused to listen and move. And all the scientists were saying, Harry, there is a 100% chance that Mount St. Helens is going to explode. And the signs were all there. Before explosions and earthquakes, there are P waves that come, then there are S waves, and then there is the big one. There are smaller rumbles before the big show. And it was happening. One day, Mount St. Can you imagine? I've flown over Mount St. Helens, this massive mountain, and one day, steam vented out the side of a mountain. I'm going... Oh, there's your sign. (laughs) That was a rumble. And not too many days later, the whole side of the mountain bulged. Can you imagine? (laughs) Uh, That would be a sign that something really big is on the way. And the signs were all there, and Harry wouldn't leave. And on May the 18th, 1980... Harry Randall Truman died when the mountain exploded. And in 180 seconds, it spewed rock over 230 miles. And ash settled on 11 states. It was so powerful. God always sends advanced rumblings before the big thing comes. He always does. Noah started building an ark before the flood came. And he was preaching to people. He was saying, it's going to rain. And you know what those people thought? They thought he was nuttier than a fruitcake. Because the Bible said it did not rain in those days that the earth was watered by a mist that came up from the ground. And he started saying, it's going to rain. And they're going, he's a cult. 
He's out there preaching crazy stuff. Rain, water falling out of the heaven. Are you serious? That's impossible. Kind of like we think sometimes. That's just impossible. But then it happened, and the big one came, and the ark was sealed, and they weren't ready for the big one when it came. And how about Moses doing miracle after miracle? Water into blood, frogs and flies. I mean, I'm out right there, right? Frogs and flies. What? I mean, come on, get out. But the big one was on the way. But Pharaoh, even though the rumbles were there, even though all the attention getting to let them know, and then the death of the firstborn came, and it swept over the land. Even God, when he places a star over Bethlehem, Theologians say that those guys, men, had to start traveling way in advance to get there at the precise time that Jesus was going to be born. And, but it was, the rumbles were there and angels singing to shepherds out on the field. I'm kind of thinking that's a sign, right? All of a sudden angels pop in here and go, hallelujah. I'm kind of like, oh, something on the way. And yet when they get there, no room, no room at the end, just didn't hear the rumbles that was coming. You see, the Bible says things like this, everybody. The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all the brethren were at their command. Now, that scripture is telling us that there were people that had an understanding of things in the spirit. And they had an understanding of things that would happen before they actually got there. And understanding had to do with the ability to discern and the faculties and the intelligence to act. In other words, to know what to do because they had an acquaintance with God. See, that's how you know. It's the only way you can know what's coming before it gets there is that you have an acquaintance and a relationship with God enough and you're postured in a place of yieldedness and you're emptied out to everything that he wants so much that you can hear what he's saying before it shows up. And in that moment that they understood the times, it doesn't mean whether it was a good time or a bad time. It's a word associated with opportunities. And so in other words, they were so acquainted with God that they knew what their opportunity was in the middle of the situation. By the way, little commercial here. Let me step over into it. Hello, everybody. That's what we need to be doing in the days of political unrest. We need to be being so acquainted with God that we know what our opportunity is right now. So we're stepping in and advancing the kingdom but if we're not careful, we're going to get caught up and let the mess influence what we think rather than allowing God to lead us and guide us for the greatest opportunity of our lifetime because He has something on the way. Never forget that. Commercial's over. Go to Whataburger. Anyway. See, look at this scripture right here. He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. In other words, you know what to do because you're discerning the time and you know the judgments you need to make in the situation because for every matter, every matter, 
Whatever you're facing, for every matter, there is a time and there is a judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. In other words, in the moment of greatest misery, there still is a timing of God and there still is a judgment from God. But when we get miserable, we look at the miserable, the misery so much, we can't see God anymore, so we can't hear Him. We can only hear what the misery is saying to us. I'm not saying that we don't go through miserable time. Anybody ever gone through a miserable time? Oh boy. God is not absent. Sometimes we can't see Him because we're looking at misery. But for every season, there is a time and a judgment, and God is present in every situation. And I just want to say, that the signs were all there. I want to read a scripture to you, and I'm going to move along here. Matthew 27, verses 51 through 54. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. This is when Jesus is being crucified. And about the ninth hour, he cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood there that heard that said, This man's calling for Elijah. And immediately, these are the days of Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, took a sponge, put sour wine or vinegar on it, put it on a reed and offered it him to drink. The rest said, and I thought, boy, this is just like us. Let him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes. And Jesus cried out, again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit now watch as he's yielding his spirit behold the veil of the temple torn in two from top to bottom the earthquake rocks split and the graves were opened and bodies of the saints which would have been old testament saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared too many. Uh, uh, there's your sign. <laughs> so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all those things that had happened, they said, truly, this was the Son of God. And I add to that, you think? <laughs> if we saw all those kind of things, all I'm saying is, the rumbling was all there that the big one was on the way. Let's talk about him a second. First of all, darkness covered the earth. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. Amos prophesied about it long before it happened and said, It shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the whole earth in broad daylight. So as Jesus is on the cross at noon, it goes pitch black like it would be at midnight in the middle of the day, and it lasts for several hours. And that sign, that was a rumble, that something bigger was stirring, and something bigger was on the way. And isn't it unusual because this has more prophetic implications than we know. Because the Old Testament was giving way to the New Testament in this very moment right here. And the ninth plague of Moses was darkness over all the land of Egypt. And in that moment, the darkness and the veil that had been over the Old Testament 
And the law of sin and death was giving way to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The bigger was on the way. Man, that's pretty juicy right there. Let me say it this way. Wow! I'm going to say it backwards. Wow! I'm a little skillful sometimes. you got to watch me, so. And then the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Man didn't tear it. He would have tore it from the bottom up. But all of a sudden, as Jesus dies on the cross, the Bible calls his flesh the veil. And as his, veil, as his flesh was pierced, supernaturally, the veil in the holy place was torn from top to bottom. And the new and the living way was opened. Man, i got to stop. I wasn't planning on this. John Ashley, church, that is a word from the Spirit for you. The new and living way is on the way. I know you got it, but there's this new and living way that's on the way to new and living way. It's coming. Are you ready? Are you postured? Can you receive it? And it was torn from top to bottom, and it signified that through Christ, God was opening the way so we don't have to go through the Old Testament ritual anymore. He was opening the way so we could go directly in to the presence of God and have relationship with Him. An incredible thing. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holiest place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hebrews 10. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And while Jesus died, God tore the opening into the holiest place. Hmm. Everybody okay? Just traveling a little bit. And then an earthquake. The Bible said in Matthew, the earthquake and the rock split. And some theologians say what was happening is that old Mount Sinai, where the law was given, quivered as it gave it up to Calvary that shook with the new life that was being released from Jesus that day. I'm going to say it Elvis Presley style. There was a whole lot of shaking going on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I know somebody's saying that guy's kind of dumb and I, yeah, but I love it. So, and then this incredible thing happened is the dead were raised. The tombs were also open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and started walking around. In Jerusalem. That ought to be in a pretty big sign. All of a sudden you walk around your corner and there's your great grandma. Grandma! Man. Now here I am laying in my bed on Christmas Eve morning and God is cascading all this down upon me. And those P waves and S waves that God had something on the way that He wanted to bring.
It's coming, everybody. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things start happening, look up, because your redemption is coming. It's drawing near. It's going to stir before it happens. It's going to rumble. And the signs are all going to be there. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I want you to know that's on the way. But I'm telling you that something's coming before that comes. And it's something for us at this time, at this moment, that we're supposed to step in and receive and minister so a harvest can flow in America again. And there I was laying in my bedroom in the pitch black and then in the spirit I heard it. It sounded like this. A breath. The Son of God took a breath. He was laying there completely gone, dead, buried in the tomb, and then he breathed. And the power of the Lord's Spirit entered his body, and he was resurrected, and he breathed. It wasn't just any kind of breath, ladies and gentlemen, it was the inhale and the exhale of God. And that tomb rumbled with a low-grade sound of a breath. But the big thing was coming on the scene. Heaven expanded and hell heaved and had to give it up. The breath of God was being released, and I want you to know with that breath, the spirit realm knew something was moving. And next thing you know, the resurrected Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is a breathing Jesus, and he still breathes on people today. So just as Jesus said to them, this was after he was resurrected, he walks into his disciples and he says, Peace be unto you as the Father sent me. Hear it? That's how I'm sending you. You mean just like Jesus? Precisely like me. That's how I'm sending all of you. Well, I'm not a preacher. It didn't say anything about there about you having to be a preacher. It said, as the Father sent me, that's how I want to send my church. Something has to change. Something has to blow in. Something has to overwhelm us because we are supposed to do it like that. Because the resurrected Son of God breathed on them and said, As the Father sent me, so also I send on you. And he breathed onto them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And there's that harvest implication that's going on. And all I'm saying is, He's a breathing Jesus. <laughs> I'm convinced he wants to breathe on this place this morning. And he wants us to get it like he's saying it. And he wants to charge us up. The resurrection was a breath. It was that soul rolling thunder before the storm was going to be released on the earth. Sometimes the rumbles of the spirit 
are quiet like a still small voice, but they're very loud in the spirit. And it's never a gasping breath like a drowning person because God is in absolute control. It's a breath like someone waking up in the morning. I know someone says, yeah, but you don't know my husband. Okay, I know, so. But we're posturing for God to breathe on us again, everybody. And that's what he's doing. The resurrection next was an awakening. Then he opened his eyes. And I'm seeing all this transpiring in this relationship with the Lord that all of a sudden he opens his eyes. Awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. And all of a sudden in that tomb he awakens. And there's darkness there. No worries. That's what he deals with. That's what he handles. Darkness. He dispels it. Light comes. Not natural light like a flashlight, but the glory of his presence illuminates, fills every crack in the room. And all of a sudden, everyone knows, the spirit world knows, that heaven's prince is awake. Because glory resonates as he opens his eyes. It's a breath of revitalization and transformation. Organs are being restored in his body. Blood is pumping through veins and arteries. Bodily fluids are flowing again. Muscle and sinew swell with strength. Eyes and tongue moisten. Return to functional capacity. And life is filling the darkness. And wholeness comes in the body of Christ. That's a word for us today. He wants wholeness in the body of Christ. And I know, I know there's people in here right now that says life is good here and here, but it's not complete. It's missing this. It's missing that. And the Lord says, I'll breathe on things. I'll open my eyes and take a look at this, and I'll bring wholeness into the body of Christ again. We've got to get on our feet. We've got to go back to the harvest. We've got to get postured in surrender. We've got to let him blow over us again. He's the light of the world. And we are destined to live in the city where the Lamb is the light. That's where we're headed. And then I love this because in the Spirit I'm sitting there and he gets on his feet. And I look at this scripture because I thought about it, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. All I'm saying is when Jesus gets on his feet, he walks in all kinds of wild ways, amen? He can walk on water. He can walk over things that seem absolutely impossible. I know. I tried to walk on a duck pond one time. Yes, I was baptized. Hallelujah. But when Jesus walks, it's absolutely incredible. It's a walk like another walk. Life is on its feet now inside that. And the resurrection power is triumphing over death in that tomb. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Thanks be unto God who always gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's risen. But he's still in that tomb. And the Lord says, some of my people have Jesus inside, but that's where he stays. He's entombed inside of them. They don't let him out. They're not letting him be released in their life. They're experiencing what they do, and they're not experiencing what he brings because they have him 
And they're going to make it to heaven, but he's in the box. You know why? We're, we're kind of afraid to let Jesus out of the box because he might do some things that pressure us a little bit. He might ask us to do some things that we don't want to do. Because he really isn't trying to give us what we like. He's trying to do what he likes because he knows if we do what he likes, we're going to like it. How many times do we have to get doing the, keep doing the same thing and getting the same thing and we don't get it? You know that universal law, you reap what you sow? Let me say it another way. More of the same will give you... Uh, you can walk harder at the same thing and you will get... Yeah. Everybody Okay. I love you. So he's risen and he's still in the tomb. Theologically, I understand that there's not a place you can go where God's not. You know, the scripture says that you can go to the depths of the sea and he's there. And you you can't. But I also know that human beings have the capacity to quench the spirit and not let him be released in the full magnitude of what he brings. But then I heard it in the spirit. It sounded like a chisel chipping a piece of rock off. Clink. And it hits the ground. Clink, 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 clink. You want to hear that again? Clink, clink, clink. And then that big stone. I've been to Israel. I've seen it. No human being can move that stone. He's out. He's out. And the Son of God steps out of the tomb. He's out of the box, and life has been released, and it's loosed into the world. And the resurrected Jesus, he's still out, everybody. And the plan of God is still functioning, and he still turns death into life today, and he still awakens eyes and causes scales to fall of us so we can see the revelation of God, and he still breathes on us with the power of his spirit today. But are we postured? Are we postured? Are we surrendered? Are we yielded to the place that he can give us the full measure? And as I laid on my bed, suddenly the revelation came that from that moment of resurrection, not not only was he out and loosed, but he had traveled through time up to 2017 and was rumbling in my spirit as I laid on my bed. He had found his way to me. That he's a walking, traveling Jesus that still breathes and is alive and he shows up in the most unlikely places and the most unlikely ways and I just want to be postured. And I say, God, really? Did I have to be asleep for you to sneak up on me? (laughs) He still rumbled in me today. It's the power... That rumbles inside of us. No man can quench it. No man can put it out. It's genuine. It's real. It's powerful. It's moving. There's nothing like it in the world. And there is a rumble of God in this room. For everyone that will receive it, he will wash over us in incredible ways. 
Listen to this, everybody. And I'm finishing up. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it shall come to pass in the last days. This is what he said would happen. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. That's me. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servants and men servants and maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and coming day of the Lord and the awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass. There's the harvest. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we will walk in this, the supernatural life of God that is beyond our ability to produce will work and people will come to Jesus again and our churches will be filled with people finding Jesus because we're out in the harvest field finding them, not just expecting them to find us. The Spirit of the Lord will move on street corners. The Spirit of the Lord will move in restaurants. He'll move everywhere. I remember my friend Bob Johnson. His place of ministry was Jack in the Box. And every night Bob was down at Jack in the Box. And one night in Jack in the Box, the Spirit of God dropped into that place. And the people at that table started praying and accepting Jesus. And that one started. And the workers started crying and accepting Jesus. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He will blow our minds. He will go beyond human limitations. And His presence will be released in an incredible way. Almost through. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit that dwells in you. The same Spirit that was there on that resurrection morning, that Spirit in us. If you can believe... All things are possible to him that believes. You want to receive it? You want that? I want that. That's something from the Lord this room. Are we postured? Are we ready to posture? to empty ourselves, to yield again, to say, God, I'm not the expert on this. You are. You're the expert. And I want to know what you know. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to be in tune with you because, Lord, I've learned it from your word. Resurrection is an awakening, and I need one of those. And resurrection is new doors opening, and we need some open. 
And that resurrection is a fresh breathing of God upon us. And I need you to breathe on me right now. And resurrection is a new infusion of light. And light dispels darkness. And we need the power of God to dispel darkness right now. And that resurrection is getting out of the box. Which means you get what you want. And you're not confined by me any longer. Are you postured for that? Right now, I believe he's breathing on us in here. Right now, I believe there's fresh revelation for us right now. Right now, for some of you, he's opening doors and you needed that door to open. And right now, I believe he's alive. And he walks among us by his spirit. Father, will you help us? Will you help us find our way to you in a fresh new way? Will you're the wind of your spirit? Will you blow across this room right now? Young and old alike. We're all qualified. We're all the carriers of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we know... That we need something more than we can produce. We know our children need it. We know our family needs it. We know the church needs it. We know that our city needs it. And the world that we live in, we know it all needs something more than we have to offer. But we're willing to do our part of letting you wash over us, Lord. Would you release the full measure of what you have for us? Because something is on the way that we want to be ready for. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? If you are here and you want the Lord to use you with that measure of strength and that measure of power and for His Spirit, I want you just to come and stand up here. And I'm going to come by, and all I'm going to do is I'm not going to pray lengthy prayer. I'm just going to pray in the name of Jesus and let God do the work. You're coming to talk to Him, but we need the visitation of the Lord. We must be postured. And I believe with all of my heart that something powerful's on the way. It's on the way. And God is giving us the privilege of being a part of it. Isn't that so good? Isn't that so good? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to come by. It's going to be this quick. I'm just going to go, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But after I pray for you, I want you to turn and pray for the person to your left and right. Because you have to do this. It's not just about whether I get to do it. It's about us as a body standing up again. Because when every member does their part, that turns it loose. (laughs) I'm kind of like... Turn it loose, Lord. (laughs) Turn it loose. So let's all begin to pray right now, just in the Spirit. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, release it fresh and new. In the name of Jesus, Father, a new, fresh empowerment and anointing awakening is filling the room. In the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you, God, that you are breathing on us today in the name of the Lord. Father, with a fresh breath of God, with resurrection power and resurrection life, Father, that you're releasing it, Father. That you're pouring out your spirit without measure again, Father. In the name of the Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father. Good measure. Press down.
shaken together and running over. Lord, that you're pouring out your spirit. Don't forget to start praying for the person next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, release it, Father. Release it in the name of Jesus. Release it, Father God. There's a destiny for Living Way Church. There's a destiny. It's called to be a governing church that principalities and powers will bow down. Let me step through, guys. In the name of Jesus, that this church together will start to function and you will weave the gifts and the callings of God together because they're without repentance, Father. And you'll pour out your Spirit on all flesh in a glorious way. Father, I give you thanks in the name of the Lord. I'm coming back for y'all. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, release it. God, with the great waves of glory, Father, Lord, breathe on this place. Cause doors to open, an awakening of your spirit to come, Father, in a fresh, brand new way. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. And we're all just pray one for another now that God will release the gifts and callings in each one, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Thank you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father. I give you thanks. I give you thanks, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, everybody, I want us to do something. I want you to press in here around your pastors right now, especially you elders. I want you to come and get in and everybody else. I want you to surround this, these two right here. Listen, this thing has to be led by the Spirit. And that's who God has put here to do it. And we want to pray that a fresh release of new wine is going to come cascading into this place. I give you thanks, Father, Lord, for John and Ashley right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you agree with me? Let's just say, we're calling for it, Lord. Would you do that with me? We're calling for it, Lord. We're calling for it to come down. To come down on your pastors. Father, we're calling for the new wine. We're calling, Lord, that we're postured and ready for what you're bringing. And that it's going to be greater than we imagine. The Lord says, I am superseding the work of days gone by. That this is a new work. And people will come from the north and the south and the east and the west to see what it is that I am doing. Not what you are doing. But because you are yielded and because you are broken and because you are postured and because you are surrendered, I will wash over you and every member of this body with fresh life, fresh vitality, resurrection. And right now we're calling, Lord. Will you call with me? Open the doors. Open the doors. Bring awakening. Bring awakening, Lord. Bring awakening. Let us out of the box. Bring us out of the box, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let the mighty work of God begin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me step past you, buddy. Thank you, Father. I put my hands on them now in the name of the Lord. The Lord says, I'm ready to work a work in your times. But there are those of you in this room that said, I long to see 
the old day. And God said, I don't have one of those. I have a new day. And I have a new and living way. And you are going to model it and be a part of it. And Father, I pray that a fresh anointing and fresh eyesight and fresh hearing and fresh knowledge of the mind of Christ would come upon them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, church. Listen, church. I I want you to hear this. This is important. God will bring you something. When it comes, it will become attractive. Listen to this. And other people will come to get in on it. And other ministers will want to come and get on it. This is what I have to tell you. God didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. So don't turn the leadership over to the others coming from the outside in because he gave it to you. So you keep leading it. Because often people hear about a move of God and bigger ministers will show up and start filming themselves like they're doing something so they can get bigger offerings. God's giving it to you. When I say you, I'm not just talking to these pastors. I'm saying to you. I I told them this last night. You can be a Jerusalem church or you can be an Antioch church. But the Jews Jerusalem church was monolithic. It was one culture. It wasn't mixed racially. It was all Jews. And they became ingrown. They wouldn't go out. And it took persecution to send them out. But some of those that went out started the Antioch church. And it became a hub of ministry that started sending apostolic teams out everywhere. And some of them would go and the move of God would happen. And then they'd say, you stay here. I'm going back to Antioch. You now start doing this over here. And God started branching ministry out. Those are called governing churches. Because they rule regions in the spirit. He can do that, everybody. He can do that. We've been so trained for church to be an audience that listens to worship and speaking that we've forgotten who we are. God has given us a great gift. He's deposited His Spirit in us. And He's given us His authority to execute it. So one more prayer. Fresh impartation of authority. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're an elder in this church, would you lift up your hand? I want to see who you are. You're in leadership positions? Okay. All right. So you have to guard this. Strike the shepherd, sheep scatter. So part of your assignment in these days is to be watchman. I didn't say that you're always supposed to correct their every move. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to make sure they don't go in the wrong direction. But God's going to give direction to them as pastors. But you are stewarding this movement along with them. And you got to listen because you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. You don't have many fathers. So there's a dance coming to you. We talked about it last night. The dance is, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both old men and young men together. That's the only way you get the rhythm. 
old men as fathers, they provide wisdom. Young men have the strength that old men don't have anymore. And together we are wise and strong. And old men get to think they're stronger than they are. And young men can actually get wiser. (laughs) That one day they're going to get less strong too. And believe me, believe me, it becomes essential that we not lose sight of the generational cohesiveness. Because the enemy will separate us and we'll either lose wisdom or strength in the process. We've got to be staying together. And it's the only way we can carry this. I, I, I guarantee you I know that. Once I was young, now I'm old. And I still think I'm stronger than I am. Until I went down deep and couldn't get up earlier today. So, yeah. So, Father, your spirit is sweet in this place. And we're saying it. Something's coming. (laughs) And we are posturing for what you have to give today. In the name of Jesus. One last thing. I'm trying to be through, but the Lord says, I'm, I, right, right through the group, I'm sending healing out to people right now. I'm touching them in their body right where they're standing. I'm bringing peace right where they're standing. I'm orchestrating and aligning things by my spirit right now. This is a spirit work that you're doing, Father. And, Father, you're posturing this church for the power that you're bringing. We're right in the pause as the power is being released. I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. 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 So I want to teach you a new spiritual word. God is juicy. Yeah, let's try it. God is juicy. Oh, yes, he is. Very flavorful. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I love you.